really no in-betweens. You can't say, well, sort of. Uh, you know, sort of following God's like sort of sitting in a car. I mean, you either are sitting in it or you're not, you know. Or, I mean, it's, there's really no sort of. I know we, we do that as Christians a lot. Sometimes I think we, I could say, half-heartedly follow God or we follow Him in some ways and not always. But God wants us to follow Him in everything. He wants us to be all in Matter of fact, he goes on to say it in so many words in, in Scripture that either all in or not, not in at all. I mean, matter of fact, he writes over in Revelation when he's talking to the churches there. He said, you know, some of you are hot, some of you are cold, but the lukewarm stuff, I, I don't, I'm not too crazy about that. And that's putting it in my words this morning. So that we either, we're either following or we're not following. And, and I know we can do it half-heartedly, but that's not what pleases God. He doesn't want that, okay? John 10, says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let us pray this morning. Lord God, as we, we bow before you this morning, Lord, we want to say thank you for this day that you've blessed us with, the beautiful weather outside. God, the songs that were sung this morning, Lord, we're just so appreciative of our, of our ladies and our church that, that do lead us in music. And for those who sung a special this morning, God, I pray you would bless them in a special way. And, and God, you're just so good to us. Lord, the blessings, you bless us every day in, in more ways than we deserve. And God, just this morning, as we just for a moment look at your word, and God, as we ask the question, are we following? And, and Lord, that is probably a sermon more for me than anybody else in here this morning. God, is, am I wholeheartedly following you? Am I giving you half an effort? Or am I, I just giving you my leftovers? Or am I giving you my best? And this morning, God, I just pray that you will speak into our hearts and our lives through your word. I pray the Spirit would have his say-so this morning. And God, I pray that if conviction needs to fall upon our hearts... In order for us to line up with you, God, I pray that that would be what happens. I pray for those this morning, God, who don't have a relationship uh, with you, that they would have one before they leave today. But God, encourage us all, strengthen us all to be the Christians you'd have us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, uh, you know, I'm sitting there listening to the singing this morning, and I'm, I'm thinking about time, and, and I'm thinking about how this could make a good New Year's sermon. And I thought, but it ain't New Year's yet. But then I thought, but we're not far off of it. And I was sitting there thinking, I feel like we just finished up VBS. Does anybody else feel that way? Honestly, I mean, it feels like we just wrapped it up. I feel like two weeks ago, Connie and I were out in front of the church playing woofle ball with the youth. And that was in what, June or July? I can't even remember now. June? June. It is halfway through November. Are you kidding me? Man, we are looking at Thanksgiving 
And I'm just, where does the time go? But it is going by in a hurry. So I thought, you know, we could make this a New Year's uh, sermon because in just about two weeks, it'll be New Year's at the rate we're going. So we'll be there before long. But the question is this morning, are you following God? Now, if you were here Wednesday night and you were in the main sanctuary here with us, we talked about over in 1 John. I'll flip there just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. But if you were here, you know. But Wednesday night in 1 John, we read this scripture here in chapter 2. And we talked about in verse 6, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Now, and we talked Wednesday night about how it all boils down to the walk. Everything boils down to the walk. It's not about talking the talk, it's about walking the walk. And that's an old saying, but there's a lot of truth in that. And so we talked about that, and, and then we talked about also being in God's will. Like, how do, we, how do we know that we're in God's will? Well, that verse 6 answers that same question when he says, He who says he abides in him ought, to all, ought himself also to walk just as he walks. So how do we stay in God's will? How do we know the will of God? We abide in him. If we stay abiding in him, there's no way we can ever not be in God's will. So we don't have to constantly be asking the question, God, what is your will for my life? God says, stay connected to me. You'll know the will, my will for your life because you're going to always be walking with me every day. And so having said that, that led me over into this scripture today as I was thinking about the walk and I was thinking about abiding. And then I thought about following, you know, because as the Christians, we are supposed to walk the walk that Christ has called us to walk. But we're also not supposed to be trying to jump out ahead of God either. We're supposed to be following Him. And He tells us in Scripture here, and you've got to understand, over in, uh, in the other parts of this chapter here, I kind of picked up in verse 22, but if you were to go back into verse 7, I won't read all of this to you this morning. But my Bible titles it The Good Shepherd, and he does have this discussion going on here with some of the religious folks and some of those standing around. And he began to tell them or talk to them about who he was and how he was the door. And if anyone enters by him, they would be saved and would go in and out and find pasture. And he talks about how the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And he's, he's talking about all of these things. He's talking to the religious crowd here. And he's talking about laying his life down and all this kind of good stuff. And it says in verse 19 that therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of the saying. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so that leads us into where we're at here. And scripture tells us that he's at the feast of the dedication there in Jerusalem. And as he walked into the temple there, he began to to speak to them. It says he was surrounded. And he said to him, and, um, and they said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus told him, he says, Look, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Now, my main focus this morning is going to be verse 27. But look here in verse 26. He says, You do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, in order to be a sheep this morning of the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, we have to have a relationship with the shepherd. We have to have a, uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no other way to be a part of who Jesus is unless you are saved this morning. But as we get here into verse 27, 
Point number one is this, and I only have two points today, but point one is this, God's sheep hear His voice. And that's one way we can discern today as to whether we're a sheep or not. If we can't hear God speaking, then we may not be one of His. But He says here in verse 27, He says, My sheep, they hear my voice, and they follow me. Now, John Phillips, in his commentary, I like what he says. He says, Those who belong to the Lord recognize His voice and respond to His word. That is the outward proof of inward faith. That's what John, John Phillips said. And, and listen, if we're following Him, it is an outward proof. That is a testimony to all of those around us, especially to those who aren't believers in Jesus Christ. But how we're following is outward proof of what's going on in our lives. Listen, if we're not following Jesus with our everyday life, then there may not be anything going on on the inside. That might be why there's nothing going on on the outside. If we are truly a Christian, we're going to be following. And honestly, nothing can keep you from following the Lord. If you love Him, you're going to follow Him. I love my wife. I'd follow her to the end of the earth. I told her all the time, if she ever gets ready to leave me, I'm just packing up and going with her. I'm following her. She can't leave me. We just celebrated 29 years. We've, I've come too far to back up. I, I, look, I got too much invested at this point. And so, so, if, so whatever you, whatever and whoever you love, that's what you're going to follow. If you're not following Jesus wholeheartedly, then maybe you don't love Jesus wholeheartedly. Maybe that's just something we need to do a checkup on this morning. Maybe as Christians, we need to reevaluate our Christian life and say, Lord, I can tell I'm not wholeheartedly into this relationship as I should be. Forgive me, Lord. Show me where I can get... What do I need to do to get back in step with you? Because we all get there from time to time. Okay? Don't make us horrible people. Don't make us horrible Christians. Makes us ineffective Christians, but it doesn't make us horrible. We all struggle with staying in step with Jesus because it's a daily thing. As I was sharing with you guys Wednesday night, having conversations with people that I work with, and that's what we were talking about is, you know, you can't just say today... I'm going to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, and that's the only time you ever have to make that decision. No, it's a daily decision. When your feet hit the floor tomorrow, you've got to say, Okay, God, I'm either going to glorify Vance today, or I'm going to glorify you. Which one's it going to be? Am I going to have my way, or have your way done in my life? God, what's it going to be? Am I going to have to have the last say in an argument, or am I just going to glorify you and take the high road and say, Well, I'm just going to pray for you? How, what am I going to do? Because I promise you, if you don't make that decision when you get up in the morning, sometime during the day, you're going to lose it, drop the ball, say something you shouldn't say, do something you shouldn't do, and ruin your testimony. It's a daily decision. Lord, help me to follow you today in a way that you would be pleased. But people are looking at our lives, and they are looking for proof of what's going on inside of our lives. John 10, 3 says this, if we were to back back up, he said, sheep, well, let me back up and read it to you. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I love that. I love that verse because look what it says. He calls his own sheep by name. It's intimate. It's personal. To, to the government, I'm a number. Okay, that's all I am. That's all you are. I'm, I, got, I got this number and you got one too. It's called a social security number. That's how they know you. That's, that's your number. They know you by that number. That's how you get paid. That's how you pay them. I mean, you're, it's just, you're nobody, really. I'm sorry. But honestly, let's just be honest with ourselves. 
if I fell dead right here, right now, you guys would keep on next week like nothing ever happened. And, and, and if I, they'd replace me at my job. They'd replace me in a lot of places. The same true with you. We're just a number to a lot of people. But to God, it's personal. It's intimate. As big a God as He is, as big a God as He is, as powerful of a God as He is, He knows me by name. He can speak truth. I mean, listen, he, he comes and has conversations with me, speaks truth in my life, loves on me. And we're talking about this huge God, but yet when I, when I bow my head and I pray, it's almost as if God comes and sits down beside me and we talk. And that's really cool because when you go back over in the book of Genesis and you look at before Adam and Eve sinned and, and they, they uh, got cast out of the garden, it says that the Lord walked daily in the garden. Now, that was... Jesus Christ, okay? That was Jesus. He was coming and he was showing up there with Adam and Eve and he was fellowshipping with them on a daily basis. He has shown us, God has shown us since the beginning of Scripture that that's what he desires with us. He desires that intimate relationship with us. So when, when we think about following the Lord, we, not, we don't need to think about it as uh, like a bunch of robots. We're just following some whatever. No, to follow him is like God saying, hey, I'm going to do this Today, and I want to know if you just want to come be a part of it with me. You ever had anybody ask you if you want to go do something with them? Isn't that cool? When somebody looks and says, hey, I'm going to go do this today. You want to go? Somebody just calls you out of the blue. It's a friend. Hey, I'm going, I'm going to ride to Brunswick. Are you going to ride with me? Well, sure. And so you jump in the car. You go. You have a good day hanging out, fellowshipping. Might be your spouse. Might be a friend. Might be whatever. You're hanging out, and you're just having a, a, an, an intimate time of, of, of a friendship or whatever, a spouse relationship, and you're there and you're doing stuff. It's like they're saying, I'm going to do something and I want you to come be a part of what I'm doing. That's exactly what God is saying to us. He's chosen up to make a difference in this world. Basically what he's saying is, I can do it with or without you, but I'm asking you, do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to come along with me as I do this? Well, yeah, I want to go. And so, I'll, God, I want to go with you. He doesn't need me, but the fact that he knows me by name, he calls me by name, and it's an intimate, personal relationship, that makes it special. So the question I asked you this morning is, have you heard God's voice lately? And we have to listen, honestly. In order to hear God's voice, we've got to tune out everything else because there's a lot of things that's competing, I guess is the word I'd say, is competing for our time today. There's a lot of things competing for our attention and for our time and for or trying to distract us away. And sometimes we can't hear God speak for all the hustle and the bustle around us. Sometimes we have to scale those things back, set them over to one side, and go over there and sit down in a quiet spot. That's why we say we need to have quiet time. You know, there's, there's a... That's not just an old religious thing, you know, or an old church thing, having quiet time with God. It's not outdated. Quiet time's important. Quiet time means when you turn off the TV, you lay the cell phone in a whole other room so you can't look at it or hear it. Because you, if you're like me, if you lay it down close to where you're having your Bible time, as soon as that thing goes, <clears throat> and vibrates, you go, and you got to look at it. You just want to look, don't you? You can't help it. Anybody else? Okay, y'all are looking at me like I'm the only one. But you look and go, somebody might need me. Well, well, they might, but right now you need God. So you need to slide that thing to one side and just forget it for a little while. It's, it's not going to... You won't die for 30 minutes, I promise you. You may feel like it, but, but you're not. You need to just get all the distractions back and then say, God, 
what do you have to say to me today? Because, see, God, I believe it all my heart God wants to speak to us. I do. I believe He wants to converse with us. I believe He wants to speak in our lives. But we cannot possibly follow Him. We can't possibly, or should, I should say, hear His voice unless we are tuning out everything else. We have to tune everything else out. Now, this morning, I'll say this before I move into point number two, and that is this. The only way you can hear God speak this morning is to be one of His sheep. I've already said that, but I want to reiterate that point. Unless you're one of God's sheep, you might not be able to hear Him speak. And what I'm saying, uh, somebody asked me that question one day in church a long time ago, and I dug into Scripture. I believe there's something there. I can, I can find a vague concept to it, but I can't find you one particular Scripture. I'm not saying it's not there. I just hadn't found it unless I've overlooked it. But the question was asked to me, Brother Vance, can lost people... Can God speak to lost people? Or, or, can, or, or is the only thing that they hear uh, 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 drawing for repentance? I personally believe that first off, saved or lost, God is blessing you, okay? And you say, well, God only blesses his children. No, if you're lost today and you're breathing, he's blessing you, okay? If you got up and walked in here today, he's blessing you. Uh, if you had something to eat this morning, he's blessing you. He's giving you opportunities to come today and to hear the gospel message. But I also believe this, as, as a lost person, and when I say a lost person, someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to say you're a lost person doesn't mean I'm putting you in a whole other category over there and saying you're worthless. Look, before I became a, a Christian, I was lost. And what I mean by lost is I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I did not have a relationship with Jesus yet. And so when I say lost, that's what I mean. Um, if you're unsaved, whatever words you want to use today, I believe really that, yes, you can pray to God. I don't know how well He answers your prayers, but here's what I do know. The prayer He wants to hear from you is the prayer of repentance, saying, Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, and Lord, I need you in my life to forgive me of my sins and save me. That's what He wants to hear from you. Because in that prayer, that is acknowledging that you need Him in your life, you can't do it without Him, and you're desiring a relationship. I do know for a fact that's the prayer that God hears from you. I'm not saying He don't hear any of your other prayers. I'm not saying He don't answer any of your other prayers. I'm not even going to go there. I don't know. You know why? I'm not God, okay? And I will not put God in a box and say He can and cannot do certain things. I'm not Him. He can do whatever He wants to do. But I do know he desires a relationship with you today if you don't have one. And so that was the problem going on here with the Jews. Jesus is speaking to them. They're not hearing him. I mean, they hear his voice, but they're not listening to what he's saying. And Jesus is letting them know, look, the reason you can't hear me is because you're not my sheep. Only my sheep hear my voice. And so today, if we're wanting to hear God speak, well, he might just be saying to you today, well, the first thing I want you to hear is that I love you and I desire a relationship with you. That's what you need to hear this morning. That might be the only message he is speaking to you today. So you need to make sure you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Apart from him, there's nothing else. So we need to make sure we have a relationship with him. Now, if we, if we move into this next part, and, and let me say this right here. I, this is good to note, okay? This is for those who may not have a relationship with Jesus, and it's to remind those of us who do have a relationship why we should be listening to him, and point two is about to say we should be following him. In verse 28 it says, And I give them... Now, 
Look back at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. What a deal. Anybody else like a deal? Black Friday's coming up. Y'all are going, I like good deals, you know. But I, and I've never been anywhere on Black Friday that I'm aware of except my house or hunting. But anyway, that's beside the point. I just, I don't need anything that bad. If you want to do that, God bless you. I don't need anything that bad. I just don't. But anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. But anyway, the thing is you need to understand this morning, if you're not saved today, here's what you need to understand. He says, I will, through that relationship, I'll give you eternal life with him in heaven. And when I say eternal, that's forever and ever and ever and ever with no end. He says, they won't perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. See, here's, and, and I'm a, I am a person who believes that Scripture teaches eternal security. That's what I believe, okay? If you don't believe the way I believe, that's your right to believe whatever you want to. But here's what Scripture tells me. That when I got saved, He sent the Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead Trinity, to indwell me as a believer. And He also says in Scripture that that Holy Spirit is a seal. In other words, I am sealed to the day of redemption. And when He comes back to get me, that redemption part means when He comes back to get me, I am sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And when the King seals something, no one can unseal it. No one. No one, and so when he says here, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Now, I know there are people that believe, well, okay, no one can take my salvation from me, but I can, I can, I can remove myself from God. No, you can't. There's nothing you can do. Listen, if you believe you can sin a sin to the point that it would remove you, stay with me, remove you from a relationship with God, then that means you're as powerful as God. And there's none of us that's powerful as God. Matter of fact, read the book of Hebrews. The theme of the book of Hebrews is better. The writer of Hebrews lays out all the things that the, old, that the nation of Israel used to do in the Old Testament to stay in a right relationship with God. And it says, but when Jesus Christ came and when he died on the cross for our sins, his blood was better than the blood of goats or bulls or anything like that where they had to go once a year to the temple to offer sacrifice for the sin. They said when Jesus Christ died on the cross and we put our faith in him, we were saved once and for all. You never have to redo it. Now that doesn't give you the ticket to go sin. Okay, that's not a free will. You just go do whatever you want to because I'm, I'm, I'm secure in Christ. I can do what I want to and I can't lose it. If that's your mentality, you don't have salvation to start with. Because when you get saved, you ought not want to go live that kind of life. But the thing is, when you are saved, you are sealed by God. And nothing, even Paul writes about that in Romans, nothing can take us out of God's hand. Jesus himself said it right here. But we can't even remove ourselves. Matter of fact, I did something one time. And um, I say and do things sometimes I probably ought not to do, but it makes my point, so... I used to work with a guy, and I may have shared this with you, I don't know, but I used to work with a guy that I loved dearly. I did. I, I haven't seen him in, gosh, probably 15 years. I don't, I don't even know where he's at.
older than I was, and I think I have told you this before, but he, he was of a, a different belief than I was as far as denomination, but he, believed, he was a Christian, but he believed he could lose his salvation. And he always wanted to talk to me about that, and I said, man, I, I don't believe that, man. And he goes, so you're telling me when you, get, when you sin, you don't think you lose your salvation? I said, I, I sin daily. At my best efforts, I sin daily. I try not to, but I do. I, because I'm flesh. I'm, in, I'm imperfect. I can't. There are times when I have to go back and apologize to people because I ought not to have said what I said to them. That was wrong. I said, so if I offended them, that's a sin. And he goes, well, if you did that, you lost your salvation. I said, I don't believe that. I said, I believe that's why I have to go to God daily and get forgiveness of my sins. I said, kind of like every day I go home and take a shower. I get dirty. I have to clean up before I go to bed. I said, it's no different. Spiritually, I have to come before God every day and say, God, I did my best, but I know I messed up today. I, I ask God to forgive me for the things that I know I did wrong and for the things that I might not even be aware that I did wrong, but I did. So anyway, he and I, we were having this conversation. He's older than I am. I, I, was, I was, it was in my 30s at the time, so I was, I was a lot mouthier then than I am now. But I, um, yeah, I've improved, honestly. So I've gotten a lot better. But I was standing there talking to him, and he was just, you know, was just trying his hardest to convince me uh, of how, um, how he believed that. And so to prove my point, I just got like right up in his business. I said, I think you're an idiot. <laughs> I didn't really think that. I just said it to get, you know. I said, I think you're an idiot. I said, you're the stupidest person I've ever seen in my life to believe something like that. You're just a dummy. I just went on and on and on. And his face turned red. And I could tell he was getting mad. And I wanted him to. I wasn't mad. I was just making my point. And, uh, and so after I made him mad, I backed up. I said, are you mad at me, Mike? He says, yeah. I said, you better get right with God. You're going to die and go to hell. He said, huh? I ain't going to hell. I said, if you're mad at me, you're sinning. That means right now you're not in a right relationship with God. You're unsaved at this point. God help you should die where you're at. And he stood there. I said, am I right or am I wrong? He said, I had him. And I was trying to prove to him, you can't live a perfect life. You should strive for that, but you can't. Thank God my salvation is not in my hands. My salvation is in his hands. Because if God entrusted me with it, I would screw it up every day. I would mess it up so bad. But God says, you're secure in my hands. And I looked at Mike. I said, Mike, I'm not mad at you. I don't think you're an idiot. I'm just trying to push your buttons. And I did. And he's like, I don't like you. I said, I know you don't. I mean, I said, I know you don't. I said, but I wanted to prove the point. I said, if you're mad at me right now and you look like you're mad enough to bite my head off, I said, that means you have sinned because right now you have something against your brother. You and I are brothers in Christ. I said, and if you want to fight me right now and whip me because of how ugly I was, you sinned. I didn't mean any of it. I said, I'm just trying to prove my point. That's how easy you could lose your salvation if it was possible. I said, you and I would spend the majority of our day saying, God saved me because I sinned and I'm lost again. God saved me because I sinned and I lost again. I said, but I don't believe that. I said, and I'm not, and I told him, I said, and I'm not trying to convince you what I believe. I said, I just believe that my God's big enough to save me and keep me because he knows that he couldn't trust me with it because I'd mess it up. That's what I believe. So when Jesus says here, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Matter of fact, he goes on to say that bigger, uh, uh, the, whoever the writer was says, bigger is, 
bigger, I can't say it now, bigger is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And there's truth in that. My God's bigger than anything else going on in this world. We'll move on. It's a good thing we don't have five points today, right? Only two. Look at the rest of part, or verse 27 there. This is point number two. God's sheep follow him. We said point one was God's sheep hear his voice. Point two is that God's sheep follow him. Now verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, I know him, and they follow me. They follow me. Sheep follow their shepherd. They hear the shepherd speak, and that's even what Jesus said all the way through this chapter. They hear the shepherd speak. They go in the direction that he is leading them. When a shepherd leads the sheep, the sheep follow. They follow. They don't run off in the other direction. I got a dog at home that I love to death, but sometimes she has got selective hearing. She does what I want her to sometimes, and sometimes when she gets to chasing something, she don't hear a word I'm saying. She's just chasing something, and down through the woods she goes. I might as well be hollering some other name, but she don't hear me. And we're the same way as Christians sometimes. God is trying to speak into our lives. He's calling us by name, and we're chasing the things of the world, hard as we can chase, right on through the woods we go. We need to make sure that we're listening to what he's saying and we need to follow, follow what he is saying, follow where he is leading. But sometimes we hear the stronger voices of the world because we have a craving and a lust to follow after those things. We have to, we have to guard against those things in our lives. But again, Scripture tells us if we're not following then we may not be one of his. And I want to say this. I got a couple things in closing. That following takes faith. Okay? Hear me when I say that. It takes faith and it requires obedience. Following the Lord, it sounds so simple, and it is. Okay? Don't get me wrong. It's not complicated. But following the Lord, sometimes we, we make it to sound like it's just, it's not difficult. It's hard to follow the Lord sometimes. Because when the Lord is speaking, sometimes it requires a lot of faith to do what He's leading us to do. Because by following Him, it might mean that I have to let go of something else. It might mean I have to go down a road that looks kind of hard to go down. It, it might mean I have to make some tough decisions. It's not easy to follow the Lord. That's why I say it takes faith and obedience to listen to Him. And, and I'm not going to read all of these to you this morning, but I'm just going to point it out to you in case you don't know where it's at. But if you ever just need to read some encouragement, go to Hebrews 11. Man, there's so many people mentioned over there. We got Abel and Enoch and Noah and, and uh, Abraham and, and, and his wife Sarah. And we've got, uh, who else we got listening here? I got, we got Joseph and Isaac. We got Moses. Uh, gosh, there's probably more here that I'm overlooking. I'm just skimming the pages here. We got Rahab over in the Old Testament. There's so many people in there that practiced faith in God by following Him. Hard decisions had to be made. I think of Noah. He's right there at the top of the list. Building a boat on dry ground. Gosh, it the faith and obedience that that took. Abraham leaving his homeland to follow the Lord so that the Lord could start a great nation with him. Again, that took a lot of faith and a lot of obedience. We read these things sometimes and we go like, well, that's, that's good. No, God's calling us to do the same thing and be the same people that he called the people in the Bible to be. He's calling us to have faith and to be obedient and to follow him. Matter of fact, over here in Matthew 
chapter 4. I'll read this to you in a hurry, and I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. But in Matthew chapter 4, I think sometimes we overread, or not overread, but maybe underread or underthink what took place here. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, when these fishermen were called to be Jesus' disciples, he said, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For, there were, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. I think sometimes we read that like they were robots and they just dropped their stuff and like zombies started following him. No, a decision had to be made right there at their point in their life. They had grown up as fishermen with their father. They were going to inherit the family business probably at some point. Those boats and those nets, they were going to be theirs. They had a, a, a career and a business that had been established. And Jesus said, look, I need you to lay down the nets. I need you to leave, leave the boats. I need you to leave your dad. I need you to walk away from all of that and come follow me. And we look at it like they didn't have a choice. They did have a choice. They could have said, I don't think so. I'd rather stay here and fish. They had a choice just like we have a choice. But the Bible says that they chose to follow him. And in verse 21, it says, Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So this morning, if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're going to need to follow him. We're going to need to listen to his voice and we're going to walk, need to walk the way he is walking and so the question I close with this morning, are you following the Lord? It's a yes or no answer, or question, yes or no answer that you got to give. It's are you following him? I mean, either you are or you're not. Either I am or I'm not. It's a choice that has to be made. And it's a daily choice. Choose to follow him. And if you do choose to give your heart and life completely over to the Lord, I'm not talking about just salvation. We think when we get saved, that well, that's it. That's all of it. No, you're just getting started. You're just getting started. Salvation is the entrance or the introduction into the family of God. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He adopts you into his family. But now, really, I'm, I'm sorry, but the fun stuff's just starting. Okay? Because following the Lord is not easy. But, man, it's fun. Now, it has its moments. When you sit down with your, hand in, with your face in your hands and go, Lord... Could you please get somebody else? I don't want to do this. Lord, this is hard. Do I have to go do that, Lord? Couldn't you find somebody else? But man, there are times when I'm following the Lord, I'm going, this is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. It's awesome to walk with the Lord. And I want to close you. Close you. I can't close you. I want to close with, I don't know why I said close you. I want to close this this morning with the reading of Psalms 23. And David, when he wrote this, um, he had been a shepherd, possibly still was a little bit, maybe, at that point in his life. I'm not real sure, but he was, a, he was a shepherd, so he knew all about leading sheep. And he associated what he knew about being a shepherd and sheep with his relationship with the Lord. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now just 
pause for a second. What David is saying is, I've never lacked for anything. Because as the Lord, being my shepherd, He always provides. He always provides everything that I need. So why wouldn't I trust Him? He's faithful. And he goes on to elaborate that point in verse 2 by saying, He makes me to lie down in green pastures, meaning He provides the best pasture, the best food. He leads me beside the still water. Sheep don't like running of water. They like it to be still and calm. Why? Because rushing water makes them fearful. You say, why? They're like a cotton ball. If they fall in, they may drown, okay? That's a lot of water, a lot of wool to soak up in that water. They like calm water that they can walk up there and not be afraid and drink. So when David says they lead, he leads me beside still waters, there's that safety there. Verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Not for David's sake, nor for mine or yours, but for His sake. And church... He didn't have to resave my soul, but sometimes my soul needs restoring. Amen? You ever been in a hard time or difficult circumstance? Maybe there now. And you just have those days where you feel heartbroken. You feel like you've been abandoned. And you just need God to come alongside of you and restore your soul. He's faithful to do that. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod in your staff, they comfort me. As a Christian, one day I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But death has no, no bearing on a Christian. It's just a, a passage, if you want to call it that. So we don't need to be fearful. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's a good verse. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Have you ever had days where, as a sheep following the shepherd, or another word saying, and a Christian, a child of God following uh, Jesus, have you ever had days when he says, My cup runneth over? Have you ever had days when you've just stood back and said, God, I can't take any more blessings? You ever had those days where God just overwhelms you with how good He is? I mean, I've had those days where I understand where the Scripture says over there when David was bringing the, the, the tabernacle or, or the uh, Ark of the Covenant back to, the, to, the, to its rightful place and when he finally got it right after he had already done something stupid by trying to haul it in a cart, after he finally got all that right and he was doing it the right way, and the scripture says that David danced in the city because why? I believe his cup was running over. Now, you don't want to see me dance, okay? Because my dancing might look something like this right here. I don't, know what my, I don't know what my spiritual dancing would look like. But I've had days when God has just shown up and blessed in so many ways that on the inside, my heart's dancing. My heart is dancing because I'm like, God, you are good. You have blessed in so many ways. Thank you, Lord. When we follow the Lord and we give Him everything we got, that's the kind of days we can have. And it's not going to be all good days. But in the midst of those hard days, it's when David says, and he comes along and he restores our soul. 
He comforts us. He lifts us up. He strengthens us. He leads us beside the still waters. He puts us in the green pastures. In the good days, He's there. In the bad days, He's there. He's everything we need all the time. So church, why wouldn't we want to follow Him? Why would we not want to walk with God this morning? So as we're getting ready to have our song, our invitation, as our ladies come to sing our song this morning, my, my question would be to you this morning again, are you